What's going on? What's going on? And one five one. Right. We got Lady Antoinette and CP3 in the building. Hello. Yeah. Hey. Can you hear us? Yeah. Can y'all hear me? All right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we got we got Mr. Ra it's it's Mr. Raheem, right? Yes. This is Raheem from Grandmaster oh, Flash. I can't. Uh, we got Mr. Raheem from the Furious Five, legendary hip hop. Uh -huh. um, yep. Man, I just want to pick your brain because, like, you like a certified OG uh, hip hop legend. Um, Thank. You. First of all, welcome to At the Bar. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. This, 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 this is a um, this is a big interview. I, I, um, I'm a, I'm a hip hop head. You can't tell, so <laughs> a little choked up. That's <laughs> all good. That that that's such a classic, you know, group and record and stuff. Um, I'm gonna let um, Lady Antoinette start us off. <laughs> wow, um, you've definitely uh, been a pioneer in this industry. Um, tell us how do you think uh, the current state of the pop is? That's a very common question, but someone from your era, we really want to hear that. Oh, wow. Y'all just want to dive right in, huh? Y'all. <laughs> 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 That's all the time. Because, oh, no. I mean, we're going we gonna to skip all that because we know who you are. We, you know, but I want right. to know right. how you feel because we usually have artists you know, the younger artists, you know, up-and-coming artists, and I don't right. know how you feel about that right now. Okay, so, you know, <clears throat> um, the reason why I said y'all want to dive right in uh, is because, you know, uh, generally, you know, that that's one of the questions that's asked, but it's usually not the first one, and, uh, you know, it kind of it kind of gives us an opportunity to build up to to that, but since y'all want to dive right in, y'all don't want to give them an appetizer first. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is the main course right here. Um, my take on on the current state of hip hop, uh, without without placing the blame uh, on the artists, because generally, in most cases. The artists aren't the ones uh, who are in control, uh, <clears throat> with the exception of uh, very few. Um, but generally, the artists aren't in control of the material that they make. They're being, you know, told what the, you know, uh, the kind of material to make, uh, to create. Mm -hmm. And if they don't create that kind of material, they are generally uh, shelved. Um, there's a reason for that. <clears throat> um, one, we're no longer in control of our culture and haven't been for quite some time. Um, the, ent the entities that uh, are in control of our culture uh, are our government, uh, surprisingly to some people, and um, the prison system. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and in 
between 1989 and 1990, which was uh, <clears throat> uh, a changing of the guards, as it were, uh, for rap music, because, okay, so in 1989, uh, the biggest rap song of 1989 was probably Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Yes. And, and so uh, as a result of that success uh, and the resurgence of uh, the, the dormant black power movement um, <clears throat> being you know, being resurged after, excuse me, re-energized after, you know, being dormant since the 60s, you know, for the for the most part. And it began to, you know, kind of like emerge again uh, in 1989 a little bit. But then uh, to curtail that, um, <clears throat> a company called Corrections Corporations of America uh, the largest independent facilitator of privately owned penitentiaries in this country, who have made uh, deals with 48 states in this country to have a privately owned penitentiary erected in that respective state based on the condition that that state could maintain a 90% incarceration rate. Um, if you are <clears throat> an impressionable adolescent, who loves hip hop, um, and all you hear um, from your favorite artists uh, probably more times a day than you hear your parents or your teacher because you know you keep earbuds in your ear or whatever, <clears throat> and they're telling you that the very blueprint to their success uh, is to you know, stand in, you know, stand on a corner, lobby of a building, wherever, and sell Molly, Percocet, dope, coke, crack, you name it. Um, the most influenced uh, demographics of that population by that music becomes that. And that's called the power of suggestion. And the power of suggestion is extremely powerful, but it's very subtle. And so we don't realize that we're being programmed, but the very people who are in charge of what we listen to um, every day on our local radio stations uh, and our local you know, television uh, networks are called program directors. And so program directors, uh, you know, uh, uh, dictate whatever the programming for that respective network or that respective station is going to project to the listener. It's called broadcasting, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Broadcasting is the same thing as casting a spell. Casting a spell and broadcasting are one in the, in the same. Broadcasting and casting a spell. Uh, the only difference between broadcasting and casting a spell is that broadcasting means you're casting a spell on a much larger level. But you're casting a spell nonetheless. 
And if you think that it's not casting a spell, then you have the wrong <clears throat> perception of what magic is. All right? Um, casting a spell uh, could be as simple as, you know, placing a curse on someone. When when someone says to someone else, you know what, <clears throat> you know, you ain't never going to be ish. And, you know, all that's needed in order for that curse to be effective is for the person whom the curse is that that's being placed on to believe it. Right. And so, uh, advertisers spend millions and millions of dollars every day to influence consumers through broadcasting and through other means of advertisement, um, that we need their products. That's called the power of suggestion. <clears throat> so they're very well aware of how powerful, but how subtle it works. Um, case another case in point. Uh, you know, if you if you notice. Uh, or if you've noticed over the years, you know, at one point in time, um, the sale of cigarettes and tobacco products used to be <clears throat> advertised, used to be advertised on television, in magazines, and that sort of thing. Okay, so after uh, after the last uh, Surgeon General uh, caught heat from uh, not acknowledging the fact that cigarettes uh, – you know, cause lung cancer or whatever on packs of cigarettes where it said, you know, the Surgeon General has determined blah, 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 or whatever. Um, so as a result of that, um, now <clears throat> the tobacco industry has been regulated by the government, and so they are uh, no longer allowed to advertise the sale of tobacco in any advertising media yeah. because they full well through the power of suggestion that a certain demographic so the country already smokes cigarettes, but if it were to be advertised, a much larger uh, population would be uh, affected and smoke cigarettes. So, you know, they're, they're aware of how it works. So that's, as, as all of this relates to rap you know, uh, we're being, our music is being weaponized or has been weaponized against us. You know, and people, you know, there's some people who recognize that and then there's some people who don't. Yeah. And, you know, my, my, uh, <clears throat> my, uh, you know, the, the only thing that I have to say to the people who don't recognize that or don't acknowledge and our music has been weaponized against us is, you know, sometimes you could be so deep in the forest that you can't see the trees, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're, when you're so close to something, sometimes you don't see, you know, uh, the effects that it has, or, or maybe, you know, you might have a tendency of overlooking the effects, but when the effects, you know, are at your doorstep, like, for example, you know, I bet you 
the majority of your favorite rap artists uh, who are like top tier uh, today, I bet you the majority of them who have children don't allow their children to listen to their music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd be willing to bet money on that. Yeah. If, if they, especially, especially if they have young children. That's what they did with gangster rap when gangster rap was ushered in 
in 1990. Okay. And, you know, it, you know, there are people who are advocates for, for gangster rap and, you know, they'll argue me tooth and nail and be like, you know, you just, you know, I'm just, uh, uh, you know, outdated in my thinking or it's not, it doesn't have an effect on, you know, the mentality of, you know, of the youth and so forth and so on. But, you know, if you, if you were to do a case study and survey, you know, two groups of adolescents and, you know, you put them in two separate rooms and you play, you know, uh, you play light FM in, in one of the rooms exclusively the whole time. Uh, and then you play aggressive rap music in another room uh, and you, and you observe the behavior, you'll definitely see a distinctive difference in the way that they behave. Um, I mean, I even notice it for myself. Like, if I listen to aggressive rap music while I'm driving, I drive more aggressively. Like, if, I, if I'm listening to, DM, if I listen to DMX or Tupac while I'm driving, like, don't be walking in the street. I might hit your ass. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, um, and, and so, you know, people <clears throat> who don't believe that music uh, and visual images have this kind of effect on us, they just, they're either in denial or they just haven't paid enough attention because visual images and audio frequencies are two things that enter our subconscious mind without our permission. And a perfect example of that is how many times have you heard a song that you absolutely hated, but because it was in heavy damn rotation on your local radio station, after a while, this song that you absolutely hated, you knew every word to. Right? True. That's right. That that's because of the perpetual playing of it. One, you know, anything perpetually played, eventually, you know, uh, uh, as much resistance as there is, or as there could possibly be against it, unless people just, you know stand together and vehemently be like, you know what, we're not going, don't play that no more, we ain't listening. You know, unless people take that stance, they're going to keep playing it. You know, because it's their job, it's the program director's job. Uh, because they were given their orders from the corporate entity to program the listener because the they're in business with the radio is in business with uh, uh, with the with the prisons as well because uh, they murdered they 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 made um, like a uh, like closed door deals with uh, record company executives and radio in 1989 1990 and that's I mean how else would you explain how abruptly 
the changing of the guard, so to speak, happened in rap music because there was no gangster rap in 1989. Really? Like, I... I wouldn't say there was gangster rap in 1989. You might have, you might have heard, you know, a little something. You know, you you heard a uh, cool G rap, or you know, you might have heard uh, 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 my man Schoolie D with PSK or whatever. But like, it wasn't it wasn't mainstream. Like every radio station wasn't playing that, and every artist wasn't trying to be a gangster right. until the ushering in of gangster rap officially because once they ushered gangster rap in, they made it pot they they completely obscured uh, you know, the original uh, rap music. And so now I'm not saying that we need to obscure gangster rap. What I am saying is is that uh, the the solution is we need balance. We need you know we need to be able to have access uh, as listeners to all of this music. Um, you know because gangsterism is a reality. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying that we should completely you know ignore and and not not acknowledge the fact that. You know, these things do happen in our communities, um, but it's not the only things that happen in our communities. And life is such a, a broad topic overall that we as artists have the ability to talk about a multitude of uh, life's circumstances <laughs> at any given time, in any any given song. This is deep. Um, I have a question now. I finally can get mine. Sure. So, mm-hmm. when did you know that hip hop was going to be the juggernaut that it is? When did you know that this music was going to literally change the world? Um, you know, different. There were different things, different pivotal, you know, events that took place in our career uh, that kind of gave me a a bird's eye view of where things were going and how influential, you know, rap music was uh, or is. And, um, you know, one of, one of the things was that, uh, you know, you know, obviously seeing it from its inception to, you know, it becoming a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, I see, I've seen every nuance of it and, you know, in watching its its growth, you know, and and seeing, you know, it during its infancy and, and you know, the things that that stuck and the things that didn't stick. Um <clears throat> it you know, uh, uh it made me feel and you know, I, I can't speak for any of you know, the other guys in my group, but it made me feel like, um, uh, like when we, when we went to our, you know, did our first show in a foreign country, um, 
one of the things that made me know that rap music, you know, uh, influenced the whole planet was, you know, here we are in a foreign country and their primary language wasn't English, but they knew every single word to every song we performed. Like, that was, that was, that's, that's powerful, (laughs) you know. Um, you know, these people don't speak English. Uh, they know every single word to every single song we perform. And after our performance, the whole Coliseum stayed to see if they could have a beer with us. What? To see if they could have a beer with us. Oh Do you know how drunk? Do you know how drunk? <laughs> I don't even drink beer. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so. <laughs> Imagine walking out of a whole Coliseum trying to buy Yeah, you know, because we, we performed at um, this, uh, this festival in Germany called Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. And, oh. and Oktoberfest, all about beer. <sighs> Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I bet it was. <laughs> uh, lady yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Any any uh, any other questions? Oh, we we got plenty. <laughs> well, oh, okay, cool. I have another question. Um, mm-hmm. We do credit you guys for laying the foundation of hip hop, um, and we, mm-hmm. of course, we are so thankful for that. Um, but a lot of times we kind of look at the why and the, the when, but for you, do you think there's anything that you would do different as far as laying down that foundation? If you could do it um, if I could do it all over again, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a regretful type of person and, um, I'm happy with my uh, with my contribution, and um, you know, I I think that maybe you know, possibly if I if I could rewind the clock and and do this over from the beginning, um, <clears throat> uh, there's a couple of things I probably would do differently. Um, uh, I probably may not have been a member of my group if I could do it all over again. Um, I probably would have been a solo artist. Um, I probably would have, um, had my own label. Mm. Um, you know, I probably would have, you know, much more diligently, uh, pursued, uh, uh, writing and producing for other artists. I mean, I do that. You know, I've done that for years, but I haven't, like, really gone, like, hard and aggressive, you know, to to get my production on. I mean, I was a staff producer uh, working with uh, Teddy Riley when he, when he produced the group Black Street. Um, and I was also a staff producer working for Dr. Dre uh, right before he signed Eminem. But... <clears throat> um, you know, people don't really know me 
as a producer, and I am. Um, so, I, you know, that's that's probably another thing that I would have uh, I would have changed if I could. Okay. Would you got CP3? Want to produce an aspect and also you know, make some beats and you know, try to get into the you know, different genres of making beats. Um, now we see the impact of hip hop, uh, like I say, everything and along with movies and movie soundtracks. Uh, you mentioned uh, getting into the producer aspect more of it. Would you, could you ever see yourself getting into that, that aspect of going into like movie soundtrack production? Well, yeah, um, actually. Uh, if you are familiar with the, uh, the film Juice starring Tupac Shakur, um, uh, I wrote, produced, and sung, and rapped on a song that's on that, uh, on the Juice soundtrack that I got a gold record for called Does Your Man Know About Me? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, um, um... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, a Netflix original series called The Get Down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like the that was my joint. Oh, okay. Well, um, uh, Nas and and myself wrote all of the rap lyrics for the uh, for the actors in that in that uh, series. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, let me see. Um, back in the days, like there was a group uh, called Riff. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie soundtrack, uh, "Lean on Me." Mm-hmm. Um, well, I had produced and written a song uh, that was on their album project, and it was called "April Fool." But I'm not sure that. Uh, if their album was ever released or not, but I, I definitely wrote and produced that song. So you've been busy. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm, um, I'm quietly, I'm a musician. You know, I've been uh, the first instrument that I learned how to play uh, in school, like re- reading chart music and all of that, mm-hmm. was uh, tenor saxophone. Okay. Uh, played played in my school band, and then um, one day I was uh, walking through the hallways of my my high school, and I uh, found a key on the floor, and I tried it to every classroom door until I found the classroom door it fit, and it just so happened to be the piano room. Mm-hmm. So whenever I didn't want to participate in gym because they was playing a sport, I didn't want to participate in like like volleyball or something mm-hmm. i would uh i would i would cut gym class and and lock myself in the piano room and turn the lights out uh and i learned how to p- play the piano in the dark i taught myself mm-hmm. and so so i play keys and you know um, but after that i picked up a guitar and uh taught myself a little bit of guitar so you know um, I do production, and you know, I I don't mind uh, I don't mind sampling. But if there's a, a sample that I can actually play, then I prefer to replay it. 
Um, are you working on any like memoirs or anything like that? Because yeah, he has such a great history. Thank you. Um, I'm actually working on um, a three book autobiography um, uh, series. Uh, and my first book is due for release in September. Um, and my book series is called The Books of Raheem. September. September, okay. Yep. We'll be able to get it out. Uh, the, the first book will be available in September, but, you know, it's a three-book series. Uh, the first book entails, you know, uh, the, the story of my childhood uh, prior to my uh, involvement in, in hip-hop culture. Oh, this, this sounds like it's going to be very deep and, and um, going all the way back from your, before hip hop to then you mm-hmm. into hip hop. I think that's it's going to be very yeah because very... you know in order to in order to truly you know get get an idea of why and how uh, hip hop began and what what the the elements were that or, or excuse me the circumstances that were in place socially that that propelled the the youth of you know of the Bronx to engage in this in this uh movement that was unbeknownst to us that became this multicultural multi-billion dollar industry cool 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 you got something yeah. on the internet yeah i have one question um hopefully this is a um fun uh time for you to flashback on some things but um, can you tell us one of the maybe the craziest things that you have experienced in the um, entertainment business, as, as you would say? Um, you had such a, a vast career. Um, can you tell us one of the craziest things you experienced? Um, well, one of the craziest things that I experienced uh, <clears throat> was, you know, during during uh, rap music's growth period, you know, before it was completely, you know, accepted by everyone, you know, in 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 New York City, you know, this this melting pot of, you know, uh, uh, ethnicities, uh, you would think that, you know, when you when you think about a show that happened in Manhattan, in Midtown Manhattan, uh, at a club called Bonds International. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my group, uh, we opened for a punk rock group called The Clash. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clash were uh, are a very popular group. And so, the place was sold out 
we were performing two shows uh, this night and opening for The Clash. So when, um, and so this is a, an all-white audience that we're performing for. Uh, this is 1981, and this is before uh, rap music was accepted by, you know, uh, uh, the, the pop was accepted by pop culture or, or white people, okay? And so, uh, you know, white people were not yet uh, exposed to rap music or rap performing performances, concerts, and so we were opening for the Clash. And when we walked out on stage, um, you know, uh, Flash, he was the first one from our group to go out on stage. And when he walked out on, and he got behind the turntable and began to uh, scratch a record, um, the audience was expecting us to be a band because they had never seen uh, rap artists and they didn't know that rap artists, for the most part, used a DJ and not a band. So uh, everything was all right for, for a short period when Flash first walked out on stage, even though they were expecting us to be a band and we weren't. Um, and so Flash was cutting up, you know, some records or whatever. And then uh, it got to the, the part in the show where we walked out on stage. And the stage, uh, it was a, a man-made stage. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, a, a, a very sturdy stage. It was pretty rickety. And so when we got up there, we did, you know, choreographed dance routines. And when we began doing our dances, uh, you know, this was pre-dat tape or pre-any other digital kind of uh, sound medium to play, you know, our show. Um, so Flash was physically using records, using vinyl to cut up the songs that we had, you know, to perform to. So the stage is rickety, Flash is cutting, and the needle on the record began to skip. Once the needle on the record began to skip, this all-white audience they turned hostile, and they began to pelt us with all kinds of debris. Um, they, they were going to the bar, uh, ordering cans of beer, and they were throwing full cans of beer at us. Um, and the only reason why the show went on on our behalf was because we were getting paid $18,500 to do one show that night, but we were scheduled to do two. So the show went on. We stayed up there performing and ducking debris uh, simultaneously. 
And when that performance was over, uh, before they let that, uh, uh, before they let the next hostile white audience in, because the same thing happened both shows, um, we hopped off the stage and walked through the audience to see if we saw any, you know, we could recognize any other white people that was throwing stuff at us, but we didn't. And so the next show, we got back up on the stage and did the same thing, and the same result happened. So that was very uh, traumatizing. It's very, it's very traumatizing, period, for any artist to uh, stand before any audience and, you know, uh, and the audience turn hostile. Like, that's not, right. that's not it. That's the worst-case scenario for every artist. So, you know, um, and especially if, you know, when we were the only black people in this whole club, so, like, it was like, damn, like, was this a setup? Like, yo, <laughs> like, but but the only reason why we we kept going is because we were getting paid that money, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, that was, yeah, that was a that was a crazy experience. Uh, we were on tour with Rick James one time, and. Um, <laughs> rest in, rest yeah, and and you know the things that uh, Charlie Murphy, uh, rest in peace, said about Rick James uh, were absolute truths. Uh, I was I was physically there when Rick James slapped Charlie Murphy. Um, yeah, I, I was physically there at Studio Fifty Four. Um, Rick James was an Aquarius, and, and so am I. And so uh, we connected uh, when when my group toured with him, and so uh, he called me his little Aquarian brother. And every time he would come to New York City, he would call me, and I would meet him wherever he was, and we would hang out. Mm. So uh, you know, we we um, I remember one time I hung out. Uh, he told me to meet him at the Parker Meridian Hotel in Manhattan. I went there and he was like, yo, we gonna go to uh, we gonna go to Rockefeller Center and meet up with Eddie Murphy. So this was when Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live. So we went to Saturday Night Live and we met Eddie Murphy and Smokey Robinson and Jamie Lee Curtis came and met us there and we all went to Studio fifty four after that and hung out and that's where uh, Rick slapped Charlie Murphy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Um, what did you do when you saw that? Happen? I have to know. I, I just giggle my ass off. I mean, I you know, um, I, I've seen Rick do some wild stuff. Like one time, one time, because uh, one of the reasons why he uh, took a liking to us is because we did a show uh, somewhere with him. uh, And while we were on stage performing, uh, some guys broke into our tour bus and, and like stole our belongings. Like, uh, like, you know, a lot of our clothes were like uh, scattered in the street and, you know, they like took, uh, 
suitcases and stuff, you know, like rummaging through suitcases to like find valuables or whatever. And so um, we we had gotten off the stage and we didn't know that our tour bus had gotten broken into yet. And so one of our roadies uh, came downstairs and was like, yo, um, the tour bus got broken into. And uh, he said he thought that he saw some guys that was in like a field across the street where the tour buses were parked. And it seemed like they knew something or maybe they were involved and we should come up there. So, you know, we all got dressed and we went up there and um, uh, we went, some of us went over and uh, confronted the guys in the field and uh, they, they didn't respond favorably or whatever. So we started scrapping with them. And then um, uh, I came back to the, to the tour bus and walked in, uh, walked on the bus to see, you know, what, what of mine was missing. And when I, um, and I remember I had, uh, some stuff in a closet on the bus. And so I walked to the closet and opened the closet door. And when I opened the closet door, I saw someone standing in the closet I could see his feet, but he had my coat over his face and head, but he's standing in the closet. So I close the closet door back and I go outside the bus and I whisper and call all of the rest of the members of the group and was like, yo, <laughs> there's some fool inside the closet door. Uh, I mean, inside the closet on the bus. Um, and so we went. We all got on the bus and uh, we opened the closet door and let the games begin. We whooped him uh, and he was very, very happy to see the police when he got there, when they got there. And um, uh, so after Rick James saw, because he came outside the, the Coliseum, he saw us uh, putting it on that dude and a few of the dudes that was in the field across the street, uh, he was like, yo, I don't need no damn security uh, on this tour. All I need is Grandmaster Furious 5. They whoop somebody at. <laughs> so after that, he, he put us on his tour with him. And uh, so it was uh, Rick James. And um, we were on tour with the Commodores when Lionel Richie was still a member. And uh, Carl Carlton, the dude that made uh, She's a Bad Mamma Jamma and the Fatback Band and uh, Switch when uh, Bobby DeBarge was still alive rest in peace uh, the Gap Band uh, man we we toured with some some heavy hitters with some greats that, that helped to um, influence uh, you know the, the people who made the music that that uh, became the the found the early foundations of rap. Right. True, true indeed. Right. Yep. Yeah. CB three, you got a question? 
You almost know me off secret three. Uh, <laughs> not for the fall. Um, so, what is your Mount Rushmore of hip hop? You know, you know, I'm always uh, asked um, who's my top five, and yeah, you know, um, I don't really, I, I wouldn't, I don't do that. Um, the only reason why I don't do that. Is because uh, it's a few reasons, actually. Um, I don't like any, you know, any rap artists for the same reason, you know. Uh, like I wouldn't compare, uh, like people compare Jay Z and Nas. I'd never compare the two because there's a distinct difference between the two of them. Um, Jay-Z, Jay-Z, uh, cares about, understands, and knows that there is a precise formula to making commercial hit rap music, Mm -hmm. okay? Nas, either he's not concerned with trying to... Uh, uh, be commercial um, and he's happy with his core fan base and so he makes the music that you know he doesn't step outside of his comfort zone uh, to to appease a larger uh, demographics of people right um, so that would be like the difference between Michael Jackson and Prince. Right. Right. Okay. Um, you know, two great, both great, but great for different reasons. So that's the reason why I, I wouldn't compare the two. Um, so that's why I wouldn't say one is better than the other. They both are great in their own regard, you know, to me. Um, you know, I like different people for different reasons, you know, different artists for different reasons. And, you know, um, you know, I love Busta Rhymes energy and, you know, he makes some, he makes some, you know, some of the dopest party, uh, rap music around, but, uh, as dope as a rap artist as he is, I don't particularly want to hear Busta drop science. Even though, even though he's intelligent and his last project, he dropped science and I thought it was dope. But that's not really what I want to hear from Buster Rhymes. You want to party with Buster? Correct. Yes. Because that's what you he, know. What I mean, so his hits are known for. Right, and and I think you know that's that's his niche, that's his strength. You know, um, and we all you know have a you know we all want to you know, explore our, our artistry and, and, you know, venture outside of our comfort zone or that, which is, you know, that, you know, 
what we're known for, um, you know, a lot. And and it's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, for me, uh, when I when I like your music, you know, there are reasons. Um, everybody likes everybody's music for you know a reason, but for me, uh, I just try not to uh, compare artists to the degree where I fit, where I'll say you know somebody's better than somebody else because I try to appreciate them all because I'm still an artist and. Uh, I I would like to believe about myself and my artistry that uh, I can still be competitive. So for me to put uh, five other people in the top five and not include myself in that demographics, uh, I think I'd be doing myself a tremendous disservice. You hit on such a, a good point. So one of the things I, I tell young artists when we ask these questions, you know, who your top five or your Mount Rushmore, very rarely do they put themselves in that book. And, uh, right. I always tell them, if you ain't your biggest fan, then how you expect other people to believe you? If you don't... Exactly. You know. And we'll dead. And I'm so happy a legend said it. <laughs> because that, I think that is the, uh, the perfect mentality of anybody. Any artist, you should strive to be number one. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't, why are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> and this is why. And this is why I tell people, you know, pay attention, especially when we have these shows like this. You know, tap in uh, because we're going to give you something other, some some knowledge and stuff. And this is stuff that we repeatedly said on the show. And then to hear a hip hop legend say it, it's you know. It just solidifies everything that we do. And, you know, and, and, and that mentality with him, with him saying it without even any of us hitting at it, we just wonder what, what you're going to say. And then when you, you hit that point, it's like, boom. You know, it's classic. And, you know, and not, and, and not even out of, out of, out of arrogance um, or, <laughs> or, or delusion, because <laughs> um, you know uh, some of us um, from the inception uh, era of hip hop. Um, you know, some of us believe that we're the greatest thing since sliced bread, <laughs> and there's there's nothing wrong with that with that thinking when when your ability matches that attitude but if uh you don't have the ability that matches the attitude then you know uh that's something else so you know if you if you do a little uh, research and you know uh, you you find out you know who Raheem from the Furious Five is today uh, as compared to, you know, who I was, you'll find that I'm I'm a little bit different than uh, the other uh, MCs from my, from my era. Yeah. And I'm 
That's all I'll say. I will say this. This this when you start naming juice and you start naming that you work with Dr. Drake in the early stages at Eminem and you done a lot behind the scene of producing fans, like you stay constant and relevant in music and so many eras and, and, and you you basically almost had a hand in in each era um of hip hop. I mean, it's legendary. Um, you know, um we're going to give you your flowers while you're here. You know, um, what you've done is, is very impressive because um, I didn't even know everything. And just hearing it, it's, it's, it, it's you and Alma. And, you know, we salute. Um, we salute you for that, right? Honestly, uh, you know, genuinely, like, like, to hear all the stuff and, you know, and then you not even just talked about the good, you talked about the bad too. Like, so many people will give you cookie cutter interviews and don't tell you the real shit. You know, you told mm-hmm. me at the time when people were throwing cans at you on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the honesty and the honest, we, we, we appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. Like, like, real talk, we, we honestly do. You know, I want to say, um, it is, it's a surreal moment for artists. Um, like I said, we talk to a lot of new artists and up-and-coming artists. Um, we tell them often to research your craft. So that would bring them to you. Um, truth be told, I remember, and this was so out of the box, um, shout out to my middle school music teacher who made us research hip-hop. We had a whole class. We had to go from the beginning up until that current time. I'm not going to say how long ago that was. But (laughs) but we had to do that. And yes, you guys came up. I mean, so to talk to you right now, it is a surreal moment. And I'm hoping that all of those who are watching and understand that a lot of these things do come full circle. I mean, here you are. You know, you're producing music on a current show. So you're still influencing hip-hop even now. And for those who, I feel sorry for those who choose not to research their brands, not to understand how we got to this point um, in hip-hop. I feel sorry for them because, you know, kind of to touch on what you were saying before on how our music is used as a weapon. We're trying to get out of that. We, we need that knowledge. We, you need to know where everything started and who's influencing what, who's doing what. Um, so thank you so much uh, for all that you have done and contributing to our culture um, because we know hip-hop is a culture. It's just not a type of music. So I thank you so much uh, for all that you have done. See, you still You're welcome. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll just uh, piggyback off of what everyone said. You know, appreciate you um, dropping the knowledge and giving us the real, you know, giving our audience the real. You know, you are a legend in the game, taking the time out and spending some good knowledge and giving some good stories that I, I wouldn't expect. And uh, just telling about you, you know, the journey that you're going through and have gone through, you know, now, like I said, working on the book. And you know, advancing and everything that you're doing, not just the rap game, but you know, all the know how producing and writing the book. Just showing folks that you know you have to have multiple streams of 
you know, revenue coming in to survive this game, no matter who you are, no matter what things you've done, you have to keep on growing as a person, as an artist. And uh, hats off to you for continuing your journey, and uh, good luck on your book, and uh, we'll definitely be looking out for it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, you know, the bottom line is we are all we got. And it is our absolute duty to inspire and motivate each other. So, you know, we, we, we help to birth it and bring it to the forefront. And now here we are, you know, 40 plus years later. And so, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, we made it to this point. And so now, you know, we just have to figure out how to uh, successfully uh, turn the tides back, you know. Uh, it's not going to go back to what it was, but we can make it better than what it is. Okay. So, so before, before we let you go, I have to know, what is your best hip-hop moment? My best hip hop moment. Yes. Okay. So now, so now, let me just be clear about something that I don't think the audience, and maybe you guys, maybe not, might not be aware of. So okay. So we know that hip hop is a culture. Yes. And and so rap music is just one facet of the hip hop culture. So now, when you ask me what's my most notable or what's my favorite hip-hop moment. So hip-hop was prior to the embracing of rap music by the music industry. What's going on is not hip-hop, it's just rap music. So now, back to the question. My favorite hip-hop moment or my favorite rap? <laughs> Now you put me on the spot. Let's go with your favorite rap. Okay, so my favorite rap moment. Um, one time my group and I were at a club in New York City called the Savoy. And um, it, was, uh, it was an award ceremony. It was called the Urban Contemporary Awards. And the president of our record company at the time, Sylvia Robinson, Sugar Hill Records. Uh, yeah, she she made us go to this uh, to this award ceremony. We didn't want to go, so when we got there, um, uh, it it turned out to be an absolute star-studded event, right? And so we're, I'm I'm walking around uh, in the mezzanine uh, area of this this place, this club called the Savoy. And out of nowhere, the legendary Luther Vandross and the legendary Quincy Jones run up to me excitedly and was like, oh my, oh my God, can we take a picture with you? You're one of the members of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And I'm like, yo, get out of here. Y'all must be kidding me. Can I take a picture with y'all? Like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that was a surreal moment for me. Yeah. Uh, and oh, one one more short one. Um, so I see uh, uh, we're we're in L.A. 
and we are about to do Soul Train. And so I'm waiting for the limousine to pick us up. Uh, we're staying at a, a, a hotel, uh, the Hyatt Regency, and it was on Sunset Strip. And so I'm standing in front of the hotel waiting for the rest of the group to come downstairs, and I'm dressed in my full, you know, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five show regalia. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm standing there, and this brown and beige Rolls Royce pulls up to the light. Uh, right in front of the hotel and it stopped at the light and I look at the driver and the driver is a black man and he looked extremely familiar to me so I took off running so I chased this Rolls Royce for like two and a half almost three blocks he, see, he sees me out his side view mirror and he pulls over and when he gets out, it was exactly who I thought it was. It was the greatest, Muhammad Ali. Stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, it was, yo, he got out and he kicked it with me. And my the rest of the members of my group saw it from like three blocks away. And they came running down there. He was like, oh, my God, y'all pretty just like me. <laughs> like, yo, so it was. It was everything. Like it was, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it right now. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you held your composure. I might not have been any good. I wouldn't. No, I, I held my composure, but I was so excited that I couldn't even remember the man's name. All I could, <laughs> all I called him the whole time was the greatest, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> word. Yeah, uh, something out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right, right. right. <laughs> yep. Um, man. Um, so, do you have any other? Do you have any other projects coming out besides the book? Um, I am working on some new music. Uh, you know, solo project. Um, I'm not sure exactly. You know, I don't have a release date or anything like that. I'm kind of just going off of uh, my my own internal vibe and you know when when I'm in a good space and I think it's a, a good time to release something that I will uh, and I'm hoping that uh, I feel that way in the not so distant future like sometime this year um, and uh, I'm working on a couple of uh, you know other things that will uh, uh, help increase my residual income streams. Um, I am actively involved in uh, buying, selling, and trading uh, NFTs and cryptocurrencies. Okay. Um, um, I am, you know, pretty literate as far as, you know, uh, cryptocurrency, uh, buying, selling, and trading and NFTs, and I just partnered up with a with uh, a tech company uh, called uh, Tink Tank. Mm -hmm. And um, we are uh, embarking on uh, uh, buying, selling, and trading NFTs um, and uh, cannabis industry okay. uh, together. And uh, what else? 
for those. I have, uh, I'm developing uh, a hip hop game show, a hip hop trivia game show um, with a little comedic twist. And, um, and I'm also uh, uh, promoting and putting on some concerts um, that will eventually become a residency in Las Vegas uh, at the newest, most expensive casino in Las Vegas called Resorts World. Oh. So you just don't plan on sleeping all this year. <laughs> Be up for the nah, you know. <laughs> look, ain't no sleep till Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm from the Bronx, so you know, you know what I mean. Like, nah, you know, just I'm just um, uh, very focused on you know getting more out of. Uh, uh, <coughs> rap music, you know, and 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 the culture, because I felt like I feel like I put in a lot, and you know, well, I didn't I didn't collect. You definitely you know, I didn't collect nearly what I put in. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. You definitely did. Do you have any social media that people can contact you on or anything? Yeah. Um. If you go to Instagram, uh, it's Rahim. R A H I E M dot official. And, um, uh, I mean, I'm on a few other social media platforms, but if you go to, if you follow me on Instagram, um, you know, you connect with me on the, on the other ones as well. Okay. Well, we definitely want, we definitely want to follow you. We definitely want to, um, thank you for this interview, man. This is, this, this, I was so excited to do this interview and, been a highlight of my day. I, I, honestly, I, it's very, very few times I get lost for words. I don't even start to ask the first question. Like I was so excited. So uh, thank you so much. Um, shout out to Songbird for setting this up. Uh, we we appreciate you, man, and we love the stories. Everything uh, we're gonna support. I'm definitely gonna get the book when it comes out in September. Um, you know, and and you know. Anytime you want to update us on your progress, you're more than welcome. You know, we don't really have fans. We have family that come to us. That's what's up. I appreciate y'all. Much love. Thank you. If you miss this show, you should, you should, you should, you should really, uh, yeah, you can write it back. I will do a quick video break, uh, and then, uh, We'll be back, man. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Shout out, shout out to Nanya. She, she, she only, she set the interview up and then she sent us some pizza. Oh, no, thank you. We adore you. You know, and she supports the show and, you know, um, you got her. Well, you said we got family, so I guess. Yeah. Yep. So we definitely definitely so thank you. Uh let's let's play some videos. Uh what you wanna hear? Uh you know, I'm a cheat. I'm always play renegade. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
Run, yo. That boy peace so uh, crazy. No. I was down, now I'm really about to go get up. Ten rounds, now that nigga can't get up. That's what you get when you go fuck with the vision. My money be piling, we don't do the vision. The feds be watching, I just gotta get up. I was just down, now I'ma get up. Sleeping on me, I bet they didn't get up. My money was low, but now I'ma get up. Oh, bet that we get up. Pushing this weight, I'm doing sit ups. I was just dirty, now I got my fit up. Too good for these bitches, I bet they gon' miss us. And I pack a bag if you think that I'm tripping. I keep this shit brisk, like I'm sip lips on. Even though niggas don't know what to get on. You ain't shit, so your niggas gon' get on Get you some pack, go make a flip homes Yeah, I'm stuck in my bad ways Niggas always being burnt out, so I dip them all in the ashtray I don't understand these niggas that just always talking about, yeah, they past ways I don't understand these bitches always comparing me to they past days I give a fuck about you, you give a fuck about me I just be rapping for money you be be rapping for free. Feel like that I rap like a god. The reason they call me a G. I'm against all of these odds. Niggas ain't fucking with me. Never no worries, a corn of They say that I'm hot cause the devil with Prada. I'm soldier boy first and these niggas gon' follow. I'm catching no feelings, you catching these hollows. Ride with Rodriguez like I fuck with Rollo. Ain't got no time when I see this Movado. Bet that bitch shine like I'm in Monte Carlo. Looking at me like I done hit the lotto. Counting your last days, get hit up. Talking that trash, hey, on Twitter. Your bitch should be bad, yeah, I'm with her. When she see me, her face be lit up. Boy, better go ahead and mind your pin up. I don't go back and forth like tenor. Run this game, I don't get no finna. But we bout to get up. Ten rounds, now that nigga can't get up. That's what you get when you go fuck with the vision. My money be piling, we don't do the vision. Feds be watching, I just gotta get up. I was just down, now I'ma get up. Sleeping on me, I bet they didn't get up. My money was low, but now I'ma get up. Oh. What's that post to me? Man, what's that post to me? Hit him in the rock and make your shoulder lean. Yeah. Nick, they buying guns, taking pics. What's that post to me? You gave duck the smoke, lace that blunt, that's that special weed. We legit the plug, break it down, you won't find no seats. Way before the polls and the violence, shit was TLP. It stopped the speaking on my name and do no hits with me. Tell KO to sit one out, here, do it here for free. I'm straight, I blow the bitch, but fuck the mentally Pass it to the bay, yeah, I'm a sinner like JaVel McGee You ain't got no bread, why you hatin', that's a penalty I ain't got no guard for my butt who rode and grapple leaf Stand up, we the trans, got the bands, bae, come ride with me One hand on the wall, and I pulled over while she toppin' me 
and we roll up on us. Switch sides and you ain't from over there. Why'd you ever start throwing the hood up? Too geek when I'm off of that red meat, just been nauseous out of my throw up. Too clean when I hit from the side, I stroke a little salt, don't like when I grow up. Ain't dumb and fuck with us, throwing the towel, wrong to give up. Taking pics, what's that post to me? You can't duck the smoke, lace that blunt, that's that special weed. We legit the plug, break it down, you won't find no seats. Way before the pose and the violence, shit was TLP. I probably die before they catch me Shouldn't have made it home, I thank the Lord cause he done blessed me Teed up in my zone, really busting off this perky Thought I had a clone, huh, I'm popping out with Smokey That's my brother, ain't no joking, T-Gang Too official, T-Them talking, better listen up closely Any goofies artificial, walking up like they know me I ain't too much for the chat and you gon' have to come show me Niggas thinking that they packing till I switch to the fully Write a note, about this money, I just touched me a dub Remember all we had was hope, now I'm fresh than Dove, man, we're holding up that pole, body loving the rush. We just packaged up the soul, left that boy in a Dutch ten. Let me chill off the Remy, I'm wildin', but I'm aiming for a kill, nigga. Reach for my diamonds. If it's not about a meal, you gon' have to come find me. You not ready for that drill? Ain't no point they in you buying mind. guns, taking pics. What's that post to me? You can't duck the smoke, lace that blunt. That's that special weed. We legit the plug, break it down. You won't find no seats. Way before the pose and the violence, shit was TLP. Double M Visions. Damn, Max. This one's Let's go. Ay, ay, let's go. Beat summoning. My turn. Uh, ay. Hey, let's go. When I'm in the booth, I tell no lies. Don't point me to that beat because them guys ain't one of mine. You see that killer in my eyes. Tell that pussy come outside. He was raised to run and hide. Let's go, let's go, let's go. When I see my eyes, there's no talking, we gon' collide. Yeah, I fuck this being me tripping, fucked up his pride. He said he gon' kill me, shrug my shoulders, then I nod. That's the last nigga that tried. Yeah, you can't cause he we guy. Call me Mr. B. The eyes. I'm like Moses with that ride. Fuck your rules, we don't abide. I said I love you, but I lied. I like got my bitch sneaky. I can't fuck her, she too easy. Gotta cheat just to come see me. Ain't my bitch, but still won't leave me. Hey man, I been popping shit, man. Beat something, man. Hey, I'm done beef with y'all whole ass niggas, man. Let me talk to your bitch right quick. Hey, Shotty, come here. Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Pissed off my liquor, I might overreact. I pop a beam, we fuck for hours, and let's run back to bed. I eat that pussy, I'm free nasty. Watch me kiss up a bag. I pop her, she talk too much. I put these dick in the neck. Make sure she stay, make sure she ain't. That's how you get your respect. I like the hunch, we like the fuck. I think I love every sex. Fuck on your bitch, that's on my man, and I still fuck with my ex. And I ain't waiting on your cousin. I just gotta confess. She got a boyfriend, and she messy, and she say I'm on net. She don't your nigga, fuck on me, don't have to deal with. No stress, don't trust no nigga, trust no bitches. Get that shit out my chest. I fuck them bro girl and his girl know why niggas is pressed. Hey bro, I don't even know why you mad. You ain't the first one. You know what I'm saying? I been doing this shit, we been doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Don't get mad at me. Don't hate the guy, hate the player. Hey, hey, they call me free. Some call me Zaddy. I don't do no talking, tryna fuck, send me the Eddie. I don't do no talking, damn my business, please don't ask me. She get freaky for me, play with that pussy, spray on her ass cheek. Baby got a figure and stem to think she an athlete. Bitches here by me, hating, wishing that they had me. Used to fall in love with these hoes, that was the past me. Used to fall in love with these hoes, that was the past me. When I'm in the booth, I tell no lies. Don't point me to that beat because them guys ain't one of mine. You see that killer in my eyes. 
fuck this being me trippin', fucked up his pride uh, He say he gon' kill me, shrug my shoulders, then I nod That's the last nigga that tried, yeah, you can't cause he with God Damn, man, this one's too hey, hard bow your head and pray You wanna talk to him? Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go Big Simmons, bitch, we